0: hockey fans welcome to this week's episode of from the press box right here on the ahl report thank you so much for joining us this week uh always happy to have you here i'm your host amy johnson the lead correspondent here at the ahl report and i'm joined each and every week by my fantastic co-host could not do the show without him and he is our editor-in-chief and founder here at rocket sports media and that would be mr rick stevens how are you today
1: i'm doing well thanks how are you and a good nice. afternoon to you.
0: Thank you. Doing pretty well. The days are just flying by. Feels like we were just here a minute ago. Um, but it was a week ago. So we're we're back. And of course we've got more hockey to talk about. And uh, yeah. Some other things too. It's going to be a good show. What I do think. we have to talk about? Well, in our first segment, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the... Fact that phase two has officially kicked off this week for the NHL return to play. Uh, that means that uh, practice facility team practice facilities are allowed to open on a limited basis. So we're gonna talk about that and how teams seem to be responding to that and, and moving forward with that. Um we're also gonna talk about uh some NHL players who um have spent this downtime. Still very actively participating in some sports, um, just not hockey. And, uh, we'll, well, well, we'll tell you a little bit about it in, in the first segment, but it's it's been a, a fun kind of adventure to, to go on with a couple of NHL players, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and recommend that you follow along as well. Uh, in our second segment around the AHL, um, AHL news was pretty quiet this week, but uh, co- news coming out of Manitoba today: one of the Moose's players uh, announced his retirement today. So we'll uh, we'll talk briefly about that in the second segment, and then finally in the third segment, it's our big segment this week. Uh, we've got some CHL news, some Hockey Canada news, some ECHL news as far as uh, a new coach uh, that's uh, being. Uh, that's been hired in the ECHL. We've got a fantastic top five for you this week. Uh, we've, you know, if, if you, if you missed the last couple of weeks, we had a top five. Uh, let's see. What was the last week? Top five sports movies last week, which we'll, we'll kind of revisit that when we get to our third segment, we had, uh, you know, way, well, way back when this whole pandemic started, we had top five net sn- pandemic snacks. What's your, what your comfort snacks are that you were eating. Um, we've had top five board games. Uh, we've got another good one for you today. I think it's going to be pretty fun. And of course, we're going to wrap things up with a feel good finale, which we cannot leave you without lifting you up on a positive note before we sign off for the day. Lovely. Yeah.
1: And I, I'd have a, a national day for you. Um, but you do? It's, No, I I know when you don't. uh, You don't like hearing about pie days because it always seems like it's a national pie day. But it it is thousand pie days. It's National Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Day today. Um, Oh,
0: now that I actually I like that a lot.
1: Now there's someone who wouldn't like that at all, and that's my brother. And it happens to be his birthday today. So happy birthday to him!
0: (laughs) Happy birthday, and don't give him. Don't get him a strawberry rhubarb pie for his birthday today please.
1: It's um yeah who's he's quite a sportsman in his in his own right played football and baseball growing up He now coaches baseball and coaching my nephew and and um who's uh quite an up and coming baseball player. So um wow their season is kind of they're kind of rolling back into it so all of the uh, team sports trying to um, you know make plans for return to play
0: it's um it's a really delicate balance to walk. I'm sure, you know, all of the athletes and and so forth, I'm sure, are chomping at the bit to to get back to it. Uh, and at the same time, there's so much uncertainty with coronavirus. You get a new conflicting report every single day. Like I feel like, over the course of, of the last 60, 70, 80 years, you know, the the health people always used to go back and forth on butter's good for you. No, it's not. Eggs are good for you. No, they're not. Margarine's good, better for you. No, it's not. Fat's good for you. No. Like it's constantly changing. And I feel like we're stuck in that except in this hyper condensed time period of three months where (laughs) the, the medical, uh, the scientific field, the health organizations say, here's here's what the rules are for coronavirus. No wait, we got it wrong. No wait, it's actually something else. No wait, and I and I get that that's just all part of the the evolution of exploring this new virus. Um, but it leaves everyone really kind of their heads spinning, not knowing uh, what to listen to. So I guess the general rule of thumb is, um, it's not a bad idea to be too cautious. There's there's no, no such thing as being too cautious when we don't really have the answers. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see things reopening again. Hoping everyone. And
1: uh, some talk is that NASCAR may be yeah. inviting fans back uh, on a limited basis. So that's, that's a little interesting.
2: Scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little like it's, it's so hard to be just,
0: a person living in in, in the world today, because of course you want to cheer for that and say, yes, okay. We're getting some fans back at a certain sporting event. But, but for me, at least I can't speak for anyone else, but for me at least, but like it's, it's, Oh, yay. Okay. A little bit of return to normalcy and then it's, but what if, like I have like this giant, what if cloud just floating over my head all the time and I'm just really scared for people i nervous for people. I want people to practice good mitigation techniques. Um, and I don't know that that's happening all the time. And, oh, I don't know. It's just all, what a year, 2020. I'm ready for 2021, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and we have half of it to go. I know. All right, well, let's kick things off here in our in our first segment. Um, as we're speaking about uh, y- your, you said that your nephew is starting to, to get back to some team sports a little bit, uh, slowly but surely, and well, sure enough, the NHL is doing the same thing. Phase two officially went into effect yesterday, uh, June 8th, and that means that pra- teams' practice facilities are able to open on a limited scope. Uh, we talked about this a week or two ago that, you know, there was a like a 39-page memo that went out to the teams outlining the rules and regulations on, on all of the guidelines for allowing players to come back to do small squad practices and so forth. You know, only so many players allowed on the ice at the same time. No coaches allowed on the ice. The coaches can watch, but they have to watch from afar. Um you know, we got in well. Rick, you got into the the silliness about how they they're encouraging players to shower at home, which <laughs> see how see how well that goes. Um, but as far as I can tell, Rick, um, now there there are some franchises that have. At Toronto, might be one of them that has a, a decent handful of guys who are still in the Toronto area that are that are looking to take advantage of this, but there's a lot of teams who say, we don't even have ice in the building. So, uh, you know, maybe we've got one or two guys that are going to get on some ice somewhere, but it seems like most players are saying, no, thanks. We're not going to pack up the family and travel to a new city just to do very limited practicing. Is that kind of the right assessment of what's going on? Yeah, I think
1: that's that's fair enough. So this this voluntary return in phase 2 is um kind of uneventful for for some teams uh for some for many of the players nothing changes. They continue to work out where they have been spending the last few months and and that certainly applies to the Montreal Canadiens who uh as we've been told just have two players uh in the Montreal area. And so, yeah, it'll take longer for uh, Broussard to open and for them, um, uh, and for uh, the, the ice is is being put back in, and, and uh, but for all the facilities to be up and running. Now, some plays like Toronto, it's quite different. There's an awful lot of players in the Toronto area, not only from the, mm-hmm. Leafs, the Leafs, but from other teams as well. Um, right. So I, I watched, uh, uh, John, John Tavares, uh, interviewed and, and he talked about, you mentioned about the, um, the 20 some odd pages of uh, regulations. He, he was saying that the, um, the rules make, make it quite, uh, tight, uh, given that, that only so many players can be in the building at the same time that they have to rotate them tr- through and it doesn't give players much time. They're usually, used to coming to the, the rink early and taking their time to stretch and, and get their equipment yeah. together and get themselves together and, and uh, do a bit of a workout and then get on the ice. And, and he said that uh, he had about 40 minutes of a workout and 40 minutes ice time. And the, um, the, the window was so, so short that he realized that uh, he's going to be taping all of his sticks at home before he gets to the rink, because there wasn't time to tape his sticks, today, Oh, geez. which All I right. thought was was kind of you know pretty uh, indicative of how things have changed and yeah. and he said that um you know being on the ice that they they were just working on the the very basics uh, trying to get uh, their legs under them, working on skating and shooting and passing and stick handling and 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 just start to rebuild the conditioning. Uh, much Mm -hmm. of, of, of that they've lost over the last few months.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I think that they all likely did the best that they could with what they had in their homes to stay uh, somewhat just in good physical shape to the best that you can when you're, when you're stuck at home. But I think it's going to be a real eye opener when they all start skating uh, just how much they've lost, over the past uh, three months or so, um, you know that's it's something that none of them have experienced. I mean, sure, there's plenty of them when the season's over. maybe they take a couple of weeks off and go on vacation, maybe a month at the most, but never three months. Uh, so they're gonna be starting from a from a physically from a place that they're not used to and it's gonna take them some time for their bodies to get uh, to get adjusted to it. Um, The Flyers are are kind of in a similar situation. I think there's only a a few uh, Flyers who are, even though a lot of the Flyers do live in the same area that the um, practice facility is, I think a lot of them went home to where home home is. Um, And so there's only a handful practicing for the Flyers as well. Of course, um, not every team is, is really making public of who's, Uh, who's actually skating and who's not Um, like who's, who showed up and who, and who didn't, Um, you know, I've seen some things floating around that uh, some teams don't want Um, any judgments being made about who decided to come and who didn't and that type of thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they traverse through this. Um, Phase three isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, And that'll be, you know it'll it'll be curious to see if, if things continue as very lightly like this or as things go do more and more players decide okay maybe I should maybe I should travel and go and i don't know it's um as we mentioned at the top of the show it's a, it's a delicate balance um and and there's a lot of guys with little ones that they don't want to leave the wife and the family um a tough it's a tough situation for them to be in. I, I don't envy the, them for that. That's for
2: sure.
1: Well but a lot's gonna happen in the next two weeks. An awful yeah. lot is gonna happen. Uh we're gonna find out about the border and that's a big thing. We we saw the the Calgary Flames announced that uh they're working on plans to have their training cam in the States because of that that border issue. Yeah. Um so that's going to be one of the things the hub cities are going to be identified in the next couple of weeks. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, these negotiations have, have gone, um, fairly easy, but I think it's going to get much more difficult now because Mm -hmm. this is the voluntary stage that we're in when it becomes mandatory. And when there's, when there has to be rules about, uh, families and, and, um, about all the protocols with respect to testing and, and um, and and all of that I, I think it's going to get uh even more difficult and and the players are kind of signaling that they also want to bring in cba kind of issues and and uh so that they know what's going to happen with escrow next year and the salary cap and so on so that these things could uh start to unravel and and um you know we don't know that we're going to have hockey for sure yet We we've seen no. in other sports uh, particularly the MLB where where um, when push came to shove there you know there doesn't seem to be a will to come back and so far there's been a, a you know a goodwill back and forth between the players and and the um, and the NHL but that might change uh, as we get to the difficult uh, period of negotiations
0: particularly when when you, when you think about the fact that the the last player who was diagnosed as COVID positive was way back at the was at the end of March uh, the last Avalanche player that was diagnosed and and so then uh, the player was it was is well, that one was, was
1: there was the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins well, that, player I, who was diagnosed last week
0: well that no I was I was getting to that um okay. I, I meant prior to that the last the last NHL player to have been diagnosed was, was a couple of months ago. And then, you know, all the players were in isolation and it seemed like, okay, they got over that hump. There was only the handful from Ottawa and Colorado um, who had tested positive. And then suddenly last week out of the blue, a Pittsburgh Penguins player showed turns up Mm -hmm. as, as positive for coronavirus. And so now if that's going to start happening um, players are going to have a concern about that. You know, it's, and for the Canadians, I mean, that's the, they're, they're slated to play Pittsburgh in, in the first round um, in that qualifying round. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to get dicey. If, if cases, if there start to be spikes and cases start to show up, particularly as, as local governmental restrictions start to ease and people, go out and they're in the public more often and they're out around other people, not isolating as well. If you see that start to happen in the NHL, at what point do they have to stop and say, okay, we're getting cases cropping up. Um, Still so much to so many unanswered questions so far, a lot of work to be done uh, before we have any real idea of what's going to happen. That's right. Um one thing that we do know has been happening is that um, Matthew and Brady Kachuk have certainly been active uh, over the course of, of this shutdown. Uh, If you haven't seen it on Sportsnet, uh, particularly uh, folks in the States who obviously don't get Sportsnet, uh, but Sportsnet has been running a video series with, with Brady and Matthew called stuck with the Kachuks. and, it's just about every week they do a stuck with the Kachucks video challenge. And in every single one, Matthew and Brady compete against each other in a new sport. And so they've got kind of like a, a running tally of who's won each week. And there was uh one-on-one basketball. They played squash. They played, uh, they did a home run derby. They played golf. Uh, they, <laughs> they've, Gradually been dragging their sister Taryn into it And so Taryn's a a very good field hockey player So they had Taryn had them playing field hockey last week Uh, Rick, it's been um, You actually introduced this to me Because I didn't know anything about it It has been absolutely entertaining to watch The commentary from Between the Brothers But also from Keith Keith is brutal (laughs) He's just With with the boys And it's hilarious
1: Keith is is was a, a very competitive player um, and you can see how uh, his competitiveness has propelled the the uh, the two boy well all three of them actually but but especially yeah. uh, Matthew and, and Brady uh, and and has given them their their nasty personality um, that, that they have on on the ice and uh, amongst each other they're they're you know they're very competitive um, but uh, Keith's running commentary and he's the one mostly who's filming, um, uh, is just, is just cutting. Um, you know, especially when they're competing in sports that they're not uh, familiar with. Um, right. <laughs> he's and, um, uh, Keith and, and, um, and Sean, his wife, Chantel is, his wife Chantel from Winnipeg and them in Plymouth and, and, um, mm-hmm. and, we did. and there was a, a Winnipeg connection there and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, also Taryn was there. And, and, uh, so we got yeah. to know the, the family a little bit and then seeing them, uh, th- all of them, uh, in these videos, this series of uh, videos called stuck with the Kachuks has been, uh, very enjoyable and, and, uh, you know, they've kept active and they've tried new things and, um, and the, the videos have been, um, been excellent
0: very entertaining go to youtube and just search for stuck with the kachucks sportsnet has them all on youtube you can see them there um they've gone through i don't know at least five weeks six weeks worth so there's there's lots of them to watch they're not very long they're like 10 15 minutes a piece it's they're not very long but they're they're very entertaining and yes you're right there it was a a few years ago when we were in uh plymouth michigan for the usa hockey's um summer showcase, the junior the World Junior Summer Showcase, uh our press table just happened to be right behind the row of seats that the entire Kachuk family, uh, Keith, uh Chantel, Taryn and and Matthew were all there to watch Brady because that was that was the year that Brady um I think and that was Jack Hughes. His, yes, Brady, Jack Hughes, um yep. and and so forth. So yeah, we had a we had a great time. <laughs> chit-chatting with them throughout, throughout the tournament that week. Uh, So highly recommend you check it out. Uh, And then, and who knows, they might inspire you to, uh, to start some sports competitions with your own family as well. Um, (laughs) After you watch some of the things that they do. Um, And uh, all I have to say is Brady and Matthew ease up on mom a little bit. They're a little, when she has to videotape, they can be, (laughs) they're very, they're used to, you know, having good, video coverage so they're they're a little demanding sometimes but uh she keeps those boys in mind. uh with that we are going to take a quick break when we come back uh after this brief commercial we are going to uh head around the ahl and talk about some news coming out of manitoba with the moose
2: so don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this from the press box is proud to be a partner of rocket sports media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media. AHL.Report.
0: Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co host, Rick Stevens. And if you're not following us on Twitter already, be sure you head over there and search for at the AHL report, hit that follow button, make sure you're following along uh, to get all of the hockey related news that we put out throughout the week, as well as uh, links to this podcast and other great content from my colleagues, uh, Chris G and Mike Raschel uh, as, as they've been putting out some great content, uh, great articles, uh, and you don't want to miss uh, Just because the NHL is on a pause Doesn't mean that Rocket Sports Media is And we're still cranking out some really great content So be sure you're following us at the AHL Report To stay up to date With everything new we've got going on
2: uh, Rick As we said at the top of the show A little light on AHL
0: news this week Pretty quiet week Now that they're officially in the off season. Things have really started to kind of calm down For the AHL And they're, you know Kind of those players are some of them are in limbo waiting to see if they're going to get the call uh, to be members of the taxi squads or black aces squads for the NHL. Um, but there was uh, one thing that came out of Manitoba today, and that is the Manitoba Mooses captain uh, and defenseman Peter Stoikowicz, uh announced his retirement today, 27 years old. He is a Winnipeg native. Uh, so pretty neat that he got to spend all five years um, that he played with, with uh, in, in pro hockey were in um, with the Winnipeg Jets organization. Uh, of course he played with the Manitoba Moves, but he also played in St. John's for the St. John's ice caps when the ice caps were in St. John's as the Winnipeg AHL affiliate. That was the, the version of the St. John's ice caps before uh, the Habs went and became the St. John's ice caps. So um, yeah. Announced his retirement today. He only played a handful. I want to say 18 games or something like that this year Uh, went out, went down with injury in Toronto against the Marlies in late November uh, with an undisclosed injury and never returned for the rest of the season. And, And so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that that would probably be the reason that he is uh, retiring at such a young age. Unfortunately, you know, Rick, we've talked about this quite often. Um, you know, there was a Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins player just a few weeks ago that announced his retirement uh, at an early age because of, of a nasty concussion that he sustained uh, this year. Um, you never like to see, uh, these players have to cut their have to make the decision to cut the career short uh, due to injury, but it seems that that's likely the case here with Peter Stoykovich.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, as you said, so November twenty fourth was injured. Didn't play another game this uh, this past season. Uh, Two hundred and sixty one games all told with the Moose, six games with the uh, Ice Caps, and that was. Those six games came at the end of uh, his season, his his last NCAA season. He left Colorado College and and uh, played those last six games with St. John's. Um, it, it's uh, to 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 hear the quotes. Um, it's um, it, it it hurts. Um, he yeah. he says, "I've had upwards of probably double digit concussions." I had a bunch diagnosed, but I'm sure that a few went undiagnosed as well. He said it got to the point where it started to affect my life outside of hockey. As soon as it started to bother me outside of hockey, I decided it was time to retire. Um, So this is, uh, we've seen it with other players, young players, um, and uh, Connor Chris comes to mind, where, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they think they're invincible and that they think that they, you know, they can recover from these hits, but, uh, as they, they, they mount up the, the, the effects are, are, are more wide ranging and felt beyond the, um, you know, their hockey career to their life. And, and, uh, he's, you know, at, at a young age is, is, uh, going to be forced to leave the game that he loves.
0: Now, the interesting thing about this young man is he will hold a place in history believe it or not. Now, you know, he, he's played in the AHL for 267 of his profe- his professional games, had 19 goals, 53 assists. Uh, in the 2018-19 season, he was Manitoba's IOA American Specialty AHL Man of the Year for his efforts in the local community. So he's he's had some recognition, he's had some success, but he will hold a place in history because he was selected in the seventh round 199th overall of the 2010 NHL draft by the Atlanta thrashers, making him the very last draft pick that the Atlanta thrashers would ever make before the franchise relocated to Winnipeg. So mm-hmm. he will go down as the last player to be drafted by the Atlanta thrashers. So something, <laughs> it's something, it's, it's a little piece of history. <laughs> For Sure. Uh, What we're going to do, normally we would take a break here um, and come back with segment three going beyond the AHL. I think what we'll do since segment three is our bigger segment, we'll just break up segment three. So we're going to take care of the rest of our hockey news, uh, some CHL news, Hockey Canada news and some ECHL news. Then we'll take our last break and come back with a fantastically fun top five and a feel good finale. So, Rick, let's uh, let's move into our third segment uh, beyond the AHL. And um, let's start with the CHL. Uh, you had some information, some news that came out today about uh, a, a player who's been honored today.
1: Well, for the last uh, week or so, we've been talking about the CHL as they unveiled their, um, their award winners uh, for the year uh each award of course has an OHL um nominee a WHL nominee and a QMJHL nominee and today um it was announced, and I should say that if you head to Report dot uh you can um uh, Mike Rashel is uh is talking about the nominees he's talking about the winner he's making his own picks as as we go a fascinating series that uh he's adding uh to the website uh, but today the CHL uh, announced that um, Noel uh was named the CHL defenseman of the year. Um, and oh, nice. uh, he's, he's um, a 21 year old, which um, there aren't many of those in the OHL. This is his fifth no. season. Uh, fifth season. Yes. I said that right with uh, the uh, Ottawa 67s. And as an overager, he was just simply the, the best defenseman in the league um, He had uh, 82 points in 58 games, uh, 26 goals, 56 assists, and uh, just a terrific season. And um, here's a player that was drafted in the fourth round of uh, 2017 draft by Arizona. They decided not to offer him an entry-level contract. And uh, at the beginning of April, um, there he was, a free agent, just having completed a an amazing season and it was uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs organization uh, that swooped in and signed him to a two-year AHL contract so he'll be when the AHL season resumes he'll be playing for the Toronto Marlies and uh, Mm. a really smart pickup there in Noel Oppenheimer and uh, and congratulations to him winning CHL defenseman of the year. Fantastic. Yes.
0: Congratulations to him. And I, and I echo your sentiments about heading over to AHL Check out Mike Rushall's, um series on, on all of these award winners. It's been, uh, it's well-written. You also get some, not only analysis, but you get uh, some, some opinion as well. Mike usually throws in, you know, who he thought uh, of the nominees who, sh- who should win, uh, each award and so forth. So it's really interesting reading. I highly recommend you go check that out. Moving over to hockey Canada, you know, Rick, we're talking about how some teams are trying to figure out how to, how to get to a return to play status. Other uh, organizations like hockey Canada are understanding that there is still a lot of work that has to be done over the summer that they typically would be doing. that They just simply can't do physically in person, but, need to find new ways to make these things happen. And so Hockey Canada is going virtual this week. Uh, they announced yesterday that starting today, uh, today through Friday, June 9th through 12th, uh, they invited 23 goalies to their annual Program of Excellence goaltending camp. Uh, it's it's the goaltending camp uh, for goalies from the under-20, the under-18, and the under-17 um, levels in Hockey Canada, which usually serves as kind of the initial evaluation stage for development and selection camps for Canada's national men's teams. But this year, they're doing it all, they're still holding it, but they're doing it as a virtual camp, uh, which is, which is you know, I, I tip my hat to Hockey Canada, they're finding ways to still uh, do the outreach and do the work, but do it from a distance. And so, um, there's 11 instructors, 23 of the top goaltenders in Canada are participating in the camp, uh, and they'll have online sessions like goaltender development, mental and physical performance, planning for short-term competition, environments for success, uh, and also I'd love to sit in on this one, embracing the role of a backup goaltender. Interesting that that's, uh, that that's something that they're focusing an entire, uh, session on, uh, and I, I I think that would be very interesting to to listen to. Uh, so Rick, it's, Ma- it's... Mark
1: Bergevin should uh, sit in on that <laughs> session and find out what <laughs> makes a good backup goaltender. He you know it probably be exactly. worthwhile. Exactly,
0: exactly. Um, but you know I I have to say kudos to Hockey Canada. You know, it's one thing to have to cancel certain events, but in other ways they're saying well there's some things that instead of canceling it, let's just find a different way to do it. Um, and, and I think this is a great initiative. It should be, it should be a lot of fun for all of the goaltenders to, to participate in all this week. I think they'll probably learn a lot. Um, and I, I think it's a really, I think it's a really forward thinking way of dealing with the current situation. And they put
1: together, uh, an impressive, um, group of goaltending consultants, um, starting with Freddie Brathwaite um, from the OHL uh, Ottawa Sixty Sevens, they have a number of, of NHL goaltending con- consultants from the Penguins, from the Capitals, from the Oilers, from um, uh, also uh, uh, WHL teams for and, and mm-hmm. OHL teams for uh, the, the U18s and the U17s. Uh, they've done a really good job uh, putting together a. Uh, um, these these young goaltenders and matching them with uh, some some talented
0: consultants absolutely so uh congratulations to hockey canada for for finding uh new ways to get the job done um and who knows maybe even after covid is a is a thing of the past or under control maybe you know in future summers Something like this may be so successful that they might use aspects of it going forward, and saying, "Well, we should run some virtual, um, you know, kind of like sessions and and classroom session, sessions and things like that going forward." It's it's a great way uh, to to constantly be rethinking and bringing bringing organizations uh, forward. So I, I commend them for that. Uh, last but not least, in this segment of some echl news the wheeling nailers who are the echl affiliate of the pittsburgh penguins have a new coach who they announced this week and uh he's not only the head coach he'll also be the director of hockey operations because as we know in the echl you never just have one job (laughs) you do the job of many and uh, their new head coach is none other than mark french um and uh mark french rick has had a a pretty pretty storied career he's been a head coach for 14 of the last 15 seasons he's been all over the place the AHL the CHL uh the WHL also over in switzerland um he's he's been all over the place uh, he was he was an assistant coach for the hershey bears uh for a number of years and in fact was there for two of their calder cup wins uh, as an assistant coach first and then as a head coach in 2009, 2010. Um, pretty, uh, I think it's a pretty good pickup for Wheeling. Uh, I think, I think he's going to bring a, a, an exceptional level of expertise uh, to that franchise.
1: Oh, I agree. Um, it's, it's not necessarily, um, you know, a straight path, but he's uh, gotten uh, a huge amount of experience uh, in, in all different leagues. Um and uh, th- this was a good pickup uh, by the, the Pittsburgh organization.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, interesting to note uh, that second Calder Cup win when he was – it was his first season as head coach in 2009-2010. It's also the same year that the Hershey Bears set an AHL record for the most wins in a season. So in his first season as head coach, uh, they won their, their second consecutive um, Calder Cup and also went 60 17 and 3 on the season. 60 17 and 3 on the season. Wow. I, that's 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 a pretty good first uh first season as head coach, I think I would have to say. Um so congratulations to uh to Mark French. Uh I, I certainly saw that uh our friends uh with the Hershey Bears, Zach Fish, and so forth. We're quite excited to see him get this opportunity. Um, they, were, they were singing his praises on Twitter this week, so congratulations to Mark French, the new head coach of the ECHL's Wheeling Nailers. We are going to take one last quick break. On the other side of it, we've got a top five for you that you don't want to miss. We've done board games. We've done sports movies. What do we have for you
2: this week? Well, it's pretty fun. You don't want to miss it, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in just a flash. Stay right there. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at Rocketsportsmedia.com.
0: Welcome back once again to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I am your host, Amy Johnson, joined, of course, by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. And once again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. You can find us there for all the latest hockey news and, of course, links and 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 so forth to all of our articles and content at AHLReport.com. So be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. So, Rick, we had, uh, we've had we had a couple of really fun top fives the last couple of weeks. We've had some great feedback from our listeners who've been sending in uh, their responses, what their top fives would be as well, um, including last week. Last week was, was a little different in the format. Uh, we all re- recall your tremendously well written and defended um, production pitch uh, that we read aloud on the program. Uh, but it was, it was a really fun one. It was top five um, sports movies, but we went instead of doing top five just movies in general, we did five different categories of sports movies and picked our favorite in each. Um, that was really, that was really pretty well received and, and uh, it was a lot of fun and And
1: these are all uh these top five lists have been uh related to um not not exclusively uh around the pandemic but things that you can do uh during the pandemic and people have been watching um sports movies, maybe they've been playing uh board games and uh and it seemed to be pretty well received and the nice thing about last week is that um, our lists were were very different. So um, mm-hmm. now now I've got movies of uh, that were off my list uh, that I want to watch again. But there was also movies off of your list um, oh. that uh, I wrote down. And um, in fact, I've already started that. Uh, you, wow. you had mentioned I don't I don't remember where it was in your in your um, in your lineup. But uh, Friday Night Lights was a movie I hadn't seen. Um, oh, yeah. so I decided to, uh, to watch it on the weekend. It was excellent. It was, it was, it was, uh, really well done.
0: It's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. Um, it, I love, um, and now his name is going to escape me.
2: Um,
0: Billy, Bob. Billy Bob Thornton, uh, plays a tremendous role as the head coach. It's based on a true story. Um, has a, has a good ending. Uh, and it's just, I mean, football in the States, high school football in the States is a, is a, is an animal all on its own. Football in high school in Texas, it there's just, <laughs> it's in a, it's in a whole league of its own. Um, and so this, this is a, it's a great story that kind of captures that, that intensity and excitement. So that, that's great. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, glad that you watched it. I I did the same thing. There were some of yours that I uh, wrote down that I either had forgotten about or haven't seen in a while that I look forward to seeing, uh, or haven't ever seen uh, that I'll be sure to watch. Um, haven't gotten to any of them yet. It's been a it's been a it's been a bit of a busy week, <laughs> but hopefully, um, possibly this weekend might be checking one of those off the list
1: but we also heard from uh, Mike our our newest contributor and um he recommended uh two that weren't on either of our lists um really and just thought we'd pa- I'd pass it along uh one is uh coach Carter and the other okay. called Glory Road um which I, I I've heard of them but I I don't know if um if I I might have seen them but it I it would be worth uh, another look now he said that um uh, they're both basketball movies and he's not a big basketball fan, but, uh he was really inspired by the, uh, the coaching aspect of them, And actually okay. it, 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 uh, prompted him to start coaching, start coaching soccer, <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> uh, but, but it was, um, yeah, the, the movies were, um, I think it was coach Carter, the, the, the movie that, uh, that really inspired him. So, um, yeah, we're we're glad to hear from from um, our own uh, crew that is is listening to the podcast, and we're we're always happy to hear from all of our listeners uh, when we put together these uh, top five lists.
0: Absolutely, and I yeah, I'm not sure that I've seen uh, the one that Glory wrote. I don't know that I've seen that. Coach Carter, I've definitely seen, and I can understand why he why he get, drew inspiration from that movie. It's a it's a pretty powerful. Powerful story uh, and a a good one. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but but I definitely can understand why he included that on his must-see list. But today we're going to take you back. We're going to take you back in time to when you were a kid. Because, I mean, it's summertime out now, believe it or not. (laughs) Even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, the weather doesn't change. Mother Nature still does her thing. So it's summertime and kids are out playing, uh, particularly since can't really go anywhere else uh you're seeing kids outside playing a lot um and because they're home all the time and so this was uh i I have to give credit where credit is due this this concept came from rick again this week and we're going to explore this week we're going to go outside and we're going to explore our top five favorite neighborhood games you used to play as a kid so we're we're not talking about organized sports or anything like that. Just when you were a kid and you'd go outside, play with your friends for the afternoon, what were the top five things that you liked to play? You know, was it tag? Was it, I'm not going to list too many because they might be on our lists. but you know, what kinds of things, whether it was in the backyard or out on the street or at the park or whatever, what kinds of games were your favorite to play as a kid. And I would bet that as adults, you'd probably still have a pretty good time playing them. So.
1: <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> that's what uh, kind of inspired me here was, and it came from the Kachuks, as you said, their, their family, they were, they were, they've been playing uh, family games, whether it's been um, golf or b- basketball or field hockey or whatever, but, um one of the the videos was on a, a game that i had never seen before and it's called uh can jam um and it's basically a disc throwing game a frisbee like game where um you have to knock it into the can and it it looks like a game uh that they had played when they were young and kids and and but that they've continued to play um yeah. as uh, as adults
0: That's it's a I, it's a fun and that's, that might be a, a separate topic that we get to a separate top five is, you know, as adults, like when you have a barbecue or, a you know, go camping or what are, what are the, what are the yard games that you like to play? In fact, I think we're just going to say it. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll mark that down for a future that that'll be a top five and can jam might be in there. Cause you know, it's pretty fun when you get a bunch of people together for a barbecue or, or just to hang out by the pool or, or if you're going camping or anything like that. Um, picnics and so forth, got to have some good outdoor games to play. So we'll, we'll tap we'll touch on those in an upcoming episode. But right now we're going to count down uh, our top five respective favorite neighborhood games to play as a kid. I'm going to let you go first with your number five. And no, and well, don't forget, yeah. we want to hear what, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but let me just, no, and I'll ahead. repeat this again at the end. Don't forget, we want to hear yours as well. So be sure to tweet us at the AHL report and tell us which games were your favorite when you were a kid. Uh, cause I would bet that some people are going to, uh, plenty of people are going to have some different, uh, different answers depending on where you grew up, what era you grew up in, um how many kids you had to play with as neighborhood friends. I also, there's, there's a lot of different variables with this one. So it'll be really interesting to see what everyone has to say. Well, as you
1: said, much, much of this uh, can depend on where you grew up. And I grew up in a small town in Northwestern Ontario and um, we didn't have a lot. It was cold a lot of the time and nine months of the year. And we had, we had summer three months of the year and non, nine months was winter. So um, a rusty can and a stick was basically all we had to play with, and and um, um, we used one of those cans, and actually I remember it was an Allen's apple juice can, um, <laughs> which you, w- you may not know in the States, but it's a lot bigger than a, a pop can or what you would call a soda can. It's a big okay. can of apple juice. Um, and that's because we used it to play kick the can and which is kind of a ah. you know hide and seek game. Yeah. But when you kick a large apple juice can uh, down the road, <laughs> uh, it makes a racket. And uh, Mr. Smith across the road would come out and yell at us. Um, but it, we played right in front of our house and we had the lamppost and and. Um, my, you know, all the parents would would say you know when the when the street light comes on you had to come in and mm-hmm. of course in Thunder Bay uh, it's it's <laughs> it's in the wrong time zone it's in or so summer in and um yeah that's what we would play until all hours of the night is um as a as a family as as a neighborhood game for kids was kick the can
0: so so just say that again what- what time did the street lights come on in Thunder Bay in the summertime?
1: Oh, as well, it's ten fifteen, ten twenty ten twenty five That's nuts, yeah, well, because Thunder Bay should be in the central time zone, but it's in the east zone oh. so the that that, yeah aren't you
2: lucky, kids? Mm-hmm. are not you lucky? Hm all right,
0: well, let's start with your number five. What do you got there, uh Mr. Out till 1030 at night as a kid. That was my number five. Kick the can. Oh, kick the can. Sorry. I didn't realize it. that is your number five. Kick the can. Okay. That's my number that's five. A good, that's a good game. Mine. um And this is a girl. So this is where some of the variables will come in. This is not to say that there's not guys that, that don't, that didn't play this, but girls definitely did. And that was double Dutch jump rope or double Dutch. Um, which I was terrible at. <laughs> I will say I was <laughs> terrible at. Um, I had, I couldn't, my own head would get in the way. I'd be so afraid that I was going to jump into the double and get them tangled around my ears and fall flat on my face that every time I tried, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I would just overthink it way too much. So, um, I would say like playing double Dutch wasn't my favorite thing, but I loved just when the girls in the neighborhood would all get together and play double Dutch. I loved watching. Cause some of the, some of the girls, um, there was, there was a few years of my childhood that I lived, uh, in a, in a small city. And so the city girls, they could double dutch, let me tell you. And they were really, really good. Some of them, not just two ropes. Some of them would have like three ropes or four ropes. And it would just like be mind boggling to watch them. I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. And then I'd trip over my own feet just walking down the street. So <laughs> not something necessarily that I participated in all that often, but um, really enjoyed uh, just watching kids play play double dutch. It's pretty fun.
1: Wow. Well, my yes. number four is. Um, it sounds kind of lame, but um, it, it wasn't. It, it's lawn darts, um, uh-huh. and for whatever reason, I don't know if if our town was slow to bylaws or you know uh, p- people just didn't care about the kids, but we we actually had the <laughs> the, the, the the real lawn darts. The ones you could the, impale
0: yourself on.
1: Yes, the the, the ones that had the heavy metal end and you could sharpen up and, and everything and, and of nice. course when you when you threw them you'd want to get as much loft as possible so <laughs> that it was speeding towards that plastic circle.
2: And uh-huh. so it or was your, your head. Head. there
1: was some there was some danger uh, and and uh, people did get clipped with with uh, the lawn darts and none fatal unfortunately and wow. uh yeah um, no impalings, but uh, it was that was always a popular and dangerous game in our neighborhood.
0: Well, uh, danger, a little bit of danger seems to be the theme for number four. Mine is probably one of the more unique stories that I get to tell about about when I was a kid. There was a time um, that I lived in an area in a in a small country town uh, that had that was surrounded by by farms. And a lot of those farms were um, occupied and and run by Amish families is where they lived. I, you know, I grew up in Amish country in Pennsylvania. Um, And so my best friend who lived down the block from me, her family was very good friends uh, with one of the Amish families that lived, that whose farm was just a couple miles down the road from us. And so um, they would go to visit them all the time, and occasionally I would get to tag along. And it was always fascinating. And and this 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 particular Amish family was one of the more orthodox families, and so they had no electricity, they had no telephone. Um, they were they were very still very strict and orthodox and, and primitive in in their lifestyle. Um, and it was I'm. As an adult now, I'm I'm glad that I got to interact with them and and visit them a few times. I mean, the the their family was enormous. There were eight gazillion kids running around, um, and you know, then there would be the the teenagers and the the young the young twenty somethings, and then mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and great grand. They would all live on the farm. Um, the women would stuff us full of food until we were going to burst. Every time we were there, um, you know, the most delicious stuff you've ever eaten. And then the desserts, you want to talk about pie, go to an Amish farm and you'll get stuffed with 20 different kinds of pie all at the same day. Um, But the great thing was, was the kids would get so excited when we would, when um, my best friend and I would show up and we were in middle school at this time. Um, The kids would get so excited because first of all, you know, we would arrive in a car, And so they would want to climb inside the car as soon as we got there. They would check out all the buttons and all those kinds of things. But what they always wanted to play um, after dinner, once it got dark, here's, here's the danger part, right? Somebody had the great idea that, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's the stuff of a horror movie. When you're out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a farm that does not have electricity, and you wait till after dark, And all of the kids get together and they play tag at night with flashlights in the cornfield. (laughs) 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 So flashlight tag is a thing. I'm sure plenty of people have played flashlight tag as kids. I'm going to take you, I'm going to see that, and I'm going to raise you flashlight tag in a cornfield when you're a kid that's nightmare fuel. Let me tell you, because you can hide in those rows and you can get lost really easily. You can get turned around and every row looks exactly the same and you can't see anything (laughs) because the corn is, you know, when I, when you're that age, the corn's four feet over your head. Um, but Oh my gosh, it was fun. I mean, the kid, the Amish kids loved it because they just loved that we got to play with flashlights, uh, instead of the lanterns that they had. Um, and yeah, I mean, there there's no light out there at all. There's stars, and maybe if you were lucky, it was a moonlit night. Um, <laughs> but flashlight tag in the cornfield, pretty fun.
1: Stephen King, <laughs> are you listening? Yeah,
0: it's it's. Yeah. Thankfully, that you know there weren't any. There were there was never any anything that went wrong, but it definitely got your heart going as a kid because you're by yourself. You know it's you just all take off running in all different directions from whoever is it. Um, and you don't necessarily have a flashlight. Like not all of us had flashlights to go run and hide. Um, it was kind of like a, you know, a cross between hide and seek and tag. So yeah, it was a little creepy, a little bit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: well, for number three, I have, it's, it's a simple one. It's, it's uh shagging flies. Everybody's done that um ours was pretty competitive and and you know you there's five or six people in the the outfield and and actually we we did it in kind of tight quarters because it was too far to go to the school which was like a block away so we would just do it in our front yard oh, it's
0: way too far yeah yeah the a webs lived lot. on
1: the corner so they didn't have a driveway or, or anything it was like a double lot and then there's our yard and so the whole works of it together was perfect and um, yeah, shagging flies, and you get points based on, on um, height and if it bounced and so on. And, and uh, there was <laughs> there's usually some um, you know rough roughhousing going on um, as we we tried to get the ball. Really,
0: I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is much less roughhousy and it's hopscotch. I still love. I would still like. I would. I. I think there's a park near my house that has a little hopscotch court on it. And I swear to God, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna find a good hopscotch rock and I'm gonna go play hopscotch one of these days. Cause hopscotch is very fun. And like, and and when you actually play by the hopscotch rules, it gets hard. Like it gets really hard. Um, and it was just always fun to just egg each other on and see who fell over from hopping on one foot. And yeah, it was pretty fun. I liked hopscotch.
1: For number two, it may have only been in, you know, a type of game that was played in our, uh, on our street. Um, but it was called smearball. Um, and th- there wasn't many rules. It's, we had a football and um, uh, the football was tossed and, and the, the object was to get it and to hold on to it as long as possible. And we usually have six or seven people, five uh, playing. And so it would be, you know, uh, four on one, five on one, six on one. And you held on to the ball as long as you could until everybody else piled <laughs> on top of you. And um, so there was so, yeah, so there rugby. was a, a lot of bumps and bruises. Um, <laughs> you learned about ball security very, very early. Um, Mm -hmm. you learn to be, you know, um, uh, elusive, um, and, um, and it was a a game that built character, let's say.
0: Uh, yeah, I would believe so. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now my number two, my number two, um, I wouldn't call it an organized team sport. Otherwise it wouldn't be qualified, but, but I used to go over to my friend's house and we would play badminton all the time in her backyard. Um. I'm. I badminton's fun because you can really wail on those things, um, <laughs> and usually it would end up uh, in you know a couple houses over <laughs> in, in the backyard of someone else. I think we spent more time going and chasing chasing down equipment than uh, than actually playing. But I think that's pretty fun. So it was a fun game as a kid. I liked it. Although I was um, I was picked on quite a bit when I was even through high school uh, for being short. And then suddenly in, in university, I sprouted three or four inches in, in university, but up until then, particularly in middle school and elementary school, I was, I was on the shorter side. So badminton wasn't always fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard for little people (laughs) to try to get things over the net, but gave it my best shot. I still had fun. And then I grew. Damn it. Then I grew. Show all of you.
1: Well, number one, and if you're in Canada and if you're, you know, of a certain generation, this should be your answer. There is only one answer and it has to be road hockey. And um, this is not going to the community center and the rink and, and, and having teams or anything. This is just in front of the house the lived in Thunder Bay there was always tons of snow the roads were always covered in snow um, and didn't bother with nets or anything it was just you know you 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 would get uh, hard pieces of snow as your as your gold posts um, cars would come through car and you'd yell car and the whole deal it was <laughs> it was uh, we spent more time doing that and uh, then than than anything else and um, and because the you know, uh, it gets dark so much earlier um, that we were allowed to be um, out uh, after dark. And, and that was, we'd play for, right when uh, we got home from school, we'd come in for dinner and go back and play again. And it was nice to have that that uh, streetlight uh, right at the end of the, the driveway so we could uh, have our games lit. And uh, nice. road hockey is, yeah, road hockey was just a lot of fun.
0: Here in the States growing up, we didn't, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, some of the boys in our neighborhood would play ball hockey at the park sometimes, um, like on a on one of the courts. But it's definitely more of a Canadian staple. I I I like it when I see more kids here in the states playing. I think it's good.
1: And those orange um, um, road hockey balls or road hockey pucks—they hurt. They when hurt. They yes. <laughs> they get frozen, they hurt
0: Ouch They hurt Well, my, my number one Is one that we used to play When I was a kid And then it also was one that um, Me and all of my friends uh, At university Ended up playing a lot too It was super fun um, And that was called Manhunt Not everybody knows not talking about teenage games here no we're not nope we played manhunt when i was a kid um but but like i said we we also played when i was in university when i when we were in university again we used to play at night when it was really hard to find people uh in the dark um but it's just like it's it's like this great combination of sort of like kick the can and tag and hide and seek Uh, For those who don't know manhunt, you usually have teams of six. So you need a lot of people to play. Um, You usually have teams of six uh, and three people from each team go and hide. The other three stay, they count to 100 or whatever at whatever home base is. And then those teams of three go on a hunt for the opposing teams, three hiders, And when they find them and they if they find them and they tag them, because if they find you and you run away, then you're still you're still okay. But if they find you and they tag you, then you become a hunter. But the idea is you don't stay in your hiding spot. You have to kind of try to keep an eye on the hunters. And when you think they can't see you or you think they're far enough away, you have to try to get out of your hiding space and book it back to home base before they see you or tag you. It's like a whole combination of all sorts of things. It was super fun to play. Oh. Super. That was when being the short one came in handy. Cause I could hide yeah. into really tiny little spaces when I was little. Mm. Cause I was a little than everybody. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, that's what, I think this is the first time in the history of us doing top five that you and I did not concur. You, you and I did not overlap, overlap answers on anything. We have five completely independently different answers. That's that. I think that is a, that's a new record. Huh? First time ever. I mean, I was, I was sure that you were going to say that double Dutch was one of your favorites. Yeah. 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 To hear from you though. What were your favorite games, neighborhood games to play as a kid? Because there's a lot of them out there that we didn't list on here um, between the two of us. So I bet there are plenty more and we want to hear from you. So be sure to tweet us at the AHL report. Um, you can also find me at Flyers Rule. You can find Rick at all Habs, and uh, reach out, give us a shout and let us know what your favorite neighborhood games to play as a kid were, um and who knows maybe in the midst of this staying at home you might want to resurrect one for your own kids or heck for you and your own friends you never know um just if you're going to play flashlight tag in a cornfield just ask the farmer if it's okay first it's it's my only farmers don't get happy if you break corn stalks they really don't um before we go, I do want to leave everyone with our, our, feel good finale, Rick. And, um, recently we, uh, celebrated the anniversary of D-Day. Uh, that, that was the anniversary of that was last week. Um, and of course there's all sorts of ceremonies around that and, and a lot of reflection on, on World War II and, and particularly that day and, and those, and the battles, um, and the one, th- the one thing that you see a lot um, are the graves in France, all of the white crosses um, all lined up in France where you can go and visit the fallen from, from Omaha Beach and from, from Normandy and those types of things. Um, and I found this story in this little video. It's really, really neat. And I'd I'd love to actually, I'm going to try to see if I can find if, if there's an interview somewhere with the people that do this because I think it's quite remarkable. Um, if you can picture in your mind all of those white crosses that they have over there in France, they're, they're these just beautiful white marble crosses um, and every soldier's name is etched into the marble. And But if you can picture that in your mind, you have to get up pretty close to them to, to read them because, you know, the etching into the marble, it's, it's white. It's it's not like you can read them from, from a distance.
2: Well, there is
0: a group of just regular citizens and families and so forth that every year they go and they collect sand from Omaha beach and they take it to the graveyard and there's a video of it. I'll have to, I'll have to retweet it so that people can see it because it's incredible. They take the sand that they've collected from Omaha beach and they, they go around to each of the crosses and they, they rub handfuls of the sand across the engraved names and the sand from Omaha beach fills in the engraving so that suddenly the names and their, their, their station and, and, their date of death and so forth is suddenly really easy to see because that dark sand has filled in the gaps and, and it'll wash away in the next rain. Um, But it's, it's really incredible Um, Fills in the letters on the tombstones of the fallen so that you can read them and honor them uh, more easily. I thought it was quite an incredible thing to do.
1: Wow. That is.
0: And quite symbolic. Um, That's, that's when you stop and think about that, taking actual sand from Omaha Beach and, and filling it in on, on the tombstones of these soldiers, that's that's a pretty powerful uh, piece of symbolism. And uh, just reminds us all to take a moment to thank all of, all of our um, soldiers who have given the ultimate sacrifice over the course of world history and, and American history and, and Canadian history to uh, give us what we have today. That's my
2: feels great good today for
0: today yeah mm-hmm. cool. so rick uh we believe it or not we've reached the end of another show we'll have more great content for you next week if people however perhaps they uh didn't catch last week's show they want to hear about that top five or some of the hockey news that we talked about last week or perhaps they missed this past saturday's Uh, Canadians connection podcast with you and Joseph Whalen. How can people go about finding all of our podcasts here at rocket sports media and uh, listen to some of our archived episodes?
1: First stop should always be uh, our website, AHL.report or AHL There you can find, in addition to the podcast, you can find uh, some, some um, fine written content uh, from Mike or Chris or, or others. Um, or for, uh, as you said, the Canadians Connection Podcast, you can go to allhabs.net, allhabs.net. Again, uh, you'll find some written content to complement that. But if you're on the go and um, um, you've got your favorite podcast app running, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Radio, subscribe to that, and you'll get uh, every episode of uh, Canadians connection, as well as this one from the press box.
0: Fantastic. Be sure you do that. You don't want to miss an episode uh, because we've got jam packed content each and every week and we are guaranteed to have it again next week. So be sure you come back and visit us next week for another great episode of from the press box right here on the AHL report. Rick have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'm sure you'll get, Into some pie somewhere along the way Find an excuse for some pie Mm -hmm. Um, But Absolutely but thank you for being here And thank you for listening Be sure you come back again next week Tell your friends tell your family Get them to listen as well It's a great way to get some hockey news during this NHL pause and the off season For the AHL thanks so much for listening We'll see you back here again next week
2: And keep on Remember your dream, you're on the dream is your only scheme, so keep on pushing.